Girlfriends, episode number 154, Three Goals to Set for 2019. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we're talking about goals to set for 2019. Did you make a New Year's resolution? Let's talk about it. I can't wait to get started. Let's go. Hey, girlfriends, how are you? Welcome to the Girlfriends Podcast. I'm so glad to be back with you after the holidays in a new year, 2019. Here we go. How are your holidays? I missed you guys. It was hard, actually, to be disconnected from you, but also nice in a lot of ways to take a break. I worked ahead a little bit and then took a couple of weeks off, so it feels like even longer since I've connected with you guys here through the podcast. And I love our regular connection, so thanks for being here. Thanks for giving me the little bit of time off, and um, I heard from a few of you sending me little notes, and I appreciate all of the holiday greetings that you sent my way, and I give it right back at you. I hope you had wonderful holidays and are adjusting back to schedules of school and work. Here, um, we've got still big kids who are home from college, so we're not quite back into our regular routine, but... Those the rest of us schleps are going back to work, back to school, and um, we're back in the new routine for a new year. And that's what I wanted to talk about this week is resolutions. Did you make New Year's resolutions? How are you doing with them? Do you make New Year's resolutions? I was talking with a few people over New Year's about making New Year's resolutions, and I kind of have a mixed feeling about resolutions. And that's why I'm actually recording this podcast because. I love the idea of a fresh start at a new year. I love it in September when the school year starts. I love it at the beginning of Lent when we can set goals for Lent. I'm, I'm all about setting goals. Um, but I have a funny feeling about resolutions because I think some of us tend to go overboard and think this is my opportunity to start with a fresh new me, right? We try to remake ourselves. And maybe that's a bit too much. Maybe that's setting ourselves up for failure. Maybe that's not actually motivating. It becomes overwhelming. I remember back when I was editor-in-chief at Catholic Digest, one of our issues, the new one for January, I put a big headline on the cover, and this was um, well approved by my boss, New Year, New You. Because inside, there was all kinds of content about making resolutions, about setting goals for the new year, fresh start, all of that. But I didn't actually end up really liking that headline. <laughs> it, it was eye-catching and uh, it was it was fine for the magazine, I suppose. But I, I've thought a lot about it. Um, every, every new year, I have that kind of thought in my own head, like, new year, new you. Well, what's wrong with old you? I mean, we can always make improvements. We can always set goals to improve ourselves. But... I think having the goal of completely remaking ourselves really isn't a healthy one. I think, and but it's a, and it's an attractive one, right? Because we all have so many things about ourselves that uh, fall short that we're we're very much in tune with our weaknesses, most of us. And I just think it's it's not necessarily a good approach to focus there and to think I need to completely remake myself, right? God made you good. You're good. You have issues probably. You have areas of your life where you could use some improvement, where you could make greater effort, where you could work more toward what your goals are, line up your life more in what 
more along the lines of what your priorities are. I think the new year is a great opportunity to do that. But I want us to be reasonable about the goals that we're setting. And that's what this this show is all about. I want to I want to encourage you, whether or not you made a New Year's resolution or multiple New Year's resolutions, I have a friend who made many New Year's resolutions. And that always gives me pause. But whether or not you made resolutions for this new year, I want to encourage you to take this opportunity, this fresh start. Yeah, it's kind of an arbitrary one because it's not related to the liturgical calendar. But this fresh start of 2019, I want you to take this opportunity to maybe think about what some of your goals are. What might you like to accomplish? It's normal at the end of a year to kind of look back at things you've done, things you're grateful for. And for sure, um, this is a great time of year to do that. But then looking ahead, what things and at New Year's Eve this year, New Year's Eve 2019, do you want to be looking back at with gratitude? What kinds of things would you like to have accomplished in the 12 months prior? So I want to encourage you to think along those lines today. That's why we're going to talk about goals for the new year. But um, I have a little bit of a different twist on it. One other podcast that I like to listen to is Happier with Gretchen Rubin. Maybe you're familiar with it. Um, where author of The Happiness Project, Gretchen Rubin and her sister, Elizabeth Kraft, I I love their approach. They're very practical, but they're both very different people. And um, their approach to the new year, starting last year, they they each made a list of 18 for 2018. And I, I haven't been caught up on that podcast, but I assume this year they're doing 19 for 2019, in which they each just made a list, big things and little things that they would like to accomplish in the coming year. And I listened to their end of the year episode um, at the uh, end of 2018, sometime in December, and they were both sharing their lists, the 18 for 2018 that they had made up and sharing their success and or failure with each of the things that they had listed. And it was interesting because they have very different personalities. And uh, Gretchen herself had 18, and I think she accomplished every single thing on her list. And yeah, some of them were really small things. Um, some of them were huge things like a book project or whatnot. Um, but she had accomplished all of them. And her sister, Elizabeth, had made this list, which didn't include many small things. It was a lot of large, grandiose plans. And she had accomplished actually very few of them. But I found that was a really eye-opening episode. And I'll link to it in the show notes so that you can check it out if you're interested. Um, because it's a different approach to New Year's resolutions, to just make a list like that, where it isn't like, I'm going to do this single thing every day. It might be like a one-time thing. Like I think one of them had, you know, take my kid to Legoland on there. Well, that's just one day probably that you're going to do that and, you know, and then be able to cross it off your list. But it's sort of like a bucket list for the year. And I thought that was an interesting approach. But the approach I want to share with you today is setting three goals in three different categories and um, looking to meet them, setting three doable, reasonable goals in three different categories. And the three categories I'm going to share with you are setting a health goal, which is a very common one, setting a spiritual goal and then setting a personal goal. So I'm going to go through each of these, talk about some different examples, some things you might want to consider. This is all just food for thought for you, because by the time you're listening to this, we're a week into the new year, or pretty close anyway. And uh, perhaps you have set New Year's resolutions, or perhaps you haven't, but it's still an opportunity to look ahead to the new year and possibly consider making some of these goals, making it kind of official in your mind, looking for a way to kind of take action toward some of the things that are important to you. So let's start with talking about health goals. Now, this is a very common goal at the beginning of the year, right? People make the goal to lose weight, to exercise more regularly, to, um, you know, go on a diet. 
And it's, you know, you see this, people who go to the gym year round always recognize this because during the months of January, um, those first few weeks of January and February even, uh, people are at the gym more. It's like crowded at the gym, but they're all gone by the end of February for sure. And uh, so this is this is a sort of a phenomenon. It's part of the human um, approach to these things is we do set these goals, but then we don't necessarily follow through on a regular basis. Um, so I want to encourage you to think about what might be a health goal of yours. And it might be to lose weight, right? It might be um, to go on a certain kind of diet. I'm really more about setting a goal that you, is something you can picture making a regular part of your life, which is less likely to be something really drastic, right? One of those programs or something. I, I think those intense exercise and or diet programs like 80-day obsession, like you know by their titles, right? That they're intense, right? And I think those can be really helpful. Uh, nothing about 80-day obsession. I haven't done it. I'm not speaking specifically about that, but I'm talking about that kind of approach where if you're not exercising at all and then you're like, I'm going to do this program, I'm going to sign up for CrossFit or whatever it is, they all have this tendency to be a little bit extreme and intense. And that's helpful in some ways. For sure, I have experienced the helpfulness of that with various programs, exercise programs um, throughout the years, that if you're living in a way that you don't want to be living, whether it's, you know, eating really poorly um, or not exercising at all, just a really sedentary lifestyle, and this isn't what you want, um, having that kind of intervention, I think, can be really helpful. But I wouldn't make it your health goal, like, I'm going to do this program every day or, you know, I'm going to stick to this regularly throughout 2019. I'd like to encourage you to think about your health goal in a more generalized way. Like, I want exercise to be a normal and natural part of my daily routine. Okay, that's a doable goal for sure. It might involve doing one of these intense programs in the beginning, um, and then transitioning to something else. Um, that, you know, I, I just think it's not reasonable to expect that you're going to stick to something intense and overwhelming throughout the entire year. So maybe your goal would be just making exercise a regular part of your life, and that might look like a lot of different things. And it might include an intense intervention at the beginning. Um, a similar thing with diet. There, there might be a diet program that you're interested in that will be a helpful kind of intervention for you to cut out the kinds of foods that you don't want to be eating, to get more in the habit of eating the way that you want to be eating. But going on something like a super restrictive diet and saying, I'm going to do this every day of 2019, then maybe that's not a reasonable goal to set for yourself. Maybe it will be more like, I want to eat more healthfully. I want to, you know, whatever your priorities are with regard to your eating um, and you know, so, so something along those lines. And I know I've experienced too, that it can be really helpful when you're perhaps in a habit of eating a way that you don't want to be eating the kinds of foods that you don't want to be eating to have a harsh kind of cold turkey intervention. And it might involve something that's regimented, um, really restrictive. There are a million different diets and approaches out there. Um, for me, I'm, I'm going to make as my health goal, uh, eating less sugar, which is Something I, I've shared with you in the past that I just feel really good when I'm cutting sugar out of my diet. And I'll kind of go through cycles where I will just stop eating all sugar for at least a couple of weeks and do that kind of intervention on myself. Because especially now after the holidays, 
I have developed bad habits, <laughs> as I, as we talked about in setting health goals through the holidays, right? In our um, staying healthy through the holidays podcast a couple of episodes ago, that you know it's normal and it's okay that you know your eating habits are going to shift slightly and perhaps in a negative way over the holiday season. It happens to all of us, but. My goal is to not stay that way and have an intervention where I'm going to be eating less sugar on a regular basis. And um, and I know it's a doable goal for me because that is mostly how I lived out 2018, right? I know that in a general way, I am capable of, for the most part, eating in a healthy way, which means eating more vegetables. And one really, this is something you might want to consider um, as a doable goal for 2019. Um, one really helpful way to make sure that I'm eating more healthfully is once per day, one of my meals is a salad. And for me, it's typically lunchtime because that's when it's easiest for me to do that. Just that's sort of a no-brainer way of making sure you're eating more vegetables in your day. Um, and I find that setting a little goal like that that's, you know, pretty reasonable and basic is a really helpful way to, first of all, add more vegetables to your diet, but also just shift your thinking about eating. And just taking one small step in the right direction like that leads to other uh, other de decisions about what you're eating to come more naturally. And um, I think you'll find that if whatever goal, it might not be eating a salad every day, but <laughs> whatever it is, um, starting with something small like that, um, one thing can naturally lead to other things. So my goal is to eat less sugar because right now, I'm actually recording this um, ahead of time. So it's just after the new year here and m my habits are not what I want them to be. And there's still a lot of stuff in the house. Part of my goal actually for this, this particular day is um, on a break from my work in the midday. I'm planning to clean out my pantry and get a lot of the stuff out of there that's left over from the holidays, um, stuff that maybe uh, we don't need in the house anymore. <laughs> Make sure I do that. So this is a good time of year to do that. If you have in um, a dietary goal for the new year, starting out with cleaning out your pantry and cleaning out your refrigerator is a great way to get a fresh start on 2019. And set up those things and go grocery shopping. Set up those things in line with what your health goals are are, right? So think of a generalized health goal, something that is doable for you. And it might involve a hardcore cold turkey kind of intervention at the beginning, but don't make that intensity what your goal is for the entire year, okay? So set a health goal. Think along the lines of, uh, so I mentioned uh, exercise and eating. Those are the basic ones, but there might be something more like go to bed at a regular time, really helpful, get enough sleep. Or it might be something about getting up at a regular time so that you're on a more regular schedule with regard to your sleep. But anyway, think about a health goal that you want to set and set it. And I'd love to hear from you too, as you as you're as we're going through these. I'd love to hear from you if you sent me an email or send me a voicemail about what your goals are, because I intend to continue talking about these in future episodes throughout the year and just check back in with you about how you're doing. So for me, um, I, I already mentioned the eating less sugar, but two other things that are kind of related um, to health goals for me that I'm planning to do in the coming year. Um, one is take regular walks outside with my son, Danny. We talked about it. Um, the two of us have, at the beginning of December, we kind of had gotten in a habit of going out for regular walks in the middle of the day, 
even if it was pretty cold outside. And I do want to continue doing that. I think it's a really healthy thing to do. And actually, it has the side effect of me spending some one-on-one time with my youngest, which is great. And, you know, we just talked about how great it feels to get outside, even if it's freezing in in the winter. And um, I did not do that last winter. And that definitely is a goal for me this year. The other one is, um, and I wanted to mention this one because you might have a goal along these lines. My daughter, Juliet, who is my fourth child, my second daughter, who's home from college, was talking about running a half marathon this summer, and she would like for us to do it together. And I'm not really into long distance running these days. It's something I've kind of moved away from. But I like the idea of having that kind of goal and doing that with my daughter as a one-time thing. So I'm considering taking on that as a goal as well. Um, But that wouldn't be until the summertime, um, and I wouldn't be training for it till the weather's warmer. So anyway, I wanted to mention those because there might be like a big event like that that you want to make your health goal, whether it's signing up for a race or um, something along those lines, or something that's more every day, like taking regular outdoor walks. Okay, those are my ideas for health goals. Moving on, I want to encourage you to make a spiritual goal at the start of this new year. Now, this is something we're accustomed to doing during Lent, and for sure we're going to be talking about that as as Lent approaches here. But maybe it doesn't have to be just for 40 days. Maybe there's something that you want to make a regular part of your routine. Um, Maybe, this is a great one if you're able to do this, like if you're not regularly going to confession, maybe make it a goal to go once per month and decide right now it's going to be on, you know, the first Saturday of the month or um, whatever makes sense for you. But I think, you know, the idea of just sort of putting into words and maybe even writing it down, maybe even sharing it with me, because I think that's an important step is sharing your goals with other people. Sometimes they're very private goals, but I find that if we share them with other people, maybe someone you're close with, maybe your husband, maybe a girlfriend, maybe your mom, um, if you share these goals with people, you're more likely to follow through. I know even times when I've shared certain goals with my kids, big ones or small ones, they check in with me and ask how I'm doing with it. Um, So I think that's actually a really helpful thing. So another spiritual goal, if you're not having regular daily prayer time, this is something that's a regular topic that comes up here on the podcast, not okay. You need to have regular time for prayer, for personal private prayer in your day. Even if it's just five minutes in the morning where you're spending time making a morning offering and just bringing um, you know, to God the things that are on your heart for the day, even if it's just regular time a few minutes before bedtime, just find that spot. If that's where you are, if you're, you do not have regular prayer time in your day, I really recommend making that very basic, very doable goal part of your, your plan for the new year. Um, but it might be something more like getting to weekday masses more regularly, um, getting to adoration regularly. I know I, I've i before made the goal of, and, and it just becomes a habit, of stopping in a chapel when you have the opportunity to. Like maybe you're out running errands and you go by your, your parish church and you know the church is open. Maybe it's not adoration, but maybe making that part of what you do, considering you know, just making a quick stop and spending five minutes in a quiet church with Jesus who's present in the tabernacle, um, you know, or maybe learning a new prayer. Okay, so I'm going to share with you my spiritual goal for 2019. Um, it's praying the litany of trust. Are you familiar with the litany of trust? I ran into it a few, I don't know, uh, maybe two years ago. It's written uh, by the Sisters for Life. There's a Sister for Life who wrote it. Let me look it up here. I, I marked it here. Sister Faustina Maria Pia, who's a Sister for Life. If you're not familiar with the Sisters for Life, they are an amazing 
or an order of sisters who I don't even know where they're based. I want to say DC. Anyway, um, they're who are very much devoted to pro-life causes. And um, I, I've, I've had the opportunity and the privilege of meeting a couple of them at different conferences and just a wonderful, wonderful order of sisters. So check it out, uh, Sisters of Life. Sorry, I was saying Sisters for Life, was I? Anyway, it's sistersoflife.org. So check that out. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. But this is written by one of the Sisters of Life, Sister Faustina Maria. And I just think it's a beautiful prayer. And I'm actually going to pray it with you at the end of this show because I want to introduce you to it. And we don't often pause and just pray together in this podcast, but I want to share this litany of trust with you because we've talked so much about trust, right? We talk about it all the time in the podcast, and I share with you my own struggles with trusting in Jesus, trusting God's providence. And it's very human to struggle with those things. I really think it's one of those basic things that maybe we're not going to work out perfectly on this side of heaven, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't be working on it. And um, I find the litany of trust such a beautiful prayer and, and so simple that my goal is to pray that every day. So I have it printed out and I actually started in December. Um, just, you know, I wasn't already thinking about New Year resolutions, but I just had this kind of uh, urge to make this prayer a part of my daily prayer routine. And I'm looking forward to the fruit that I believe it's going to bear in the coming year. And, um, you know, I want to pray it with my children when I can, but at least personally make that a part of my new year. So you might consider, you might make it the litany of trust, It might, but it might be something else. Maybe learning a different prayer. Maybe there are certain prayers of the church that you don't already have committed to memory, like a memorare or the prayer to St. Michael. Um, finding an opportunity to learn a new prayer or become more comfortable with a new prayer. Maybe it's something like praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Have you ever prayed a Divine Mercy Chaplet? I know some of you probably have it as a regular part of your prayer routine, but I know many people have never even prayed it and they aren't even sure how to do it. I really recommend if you're interested in learning um, more about the Divine Mercy Chaplet, um, the Divine Mercy Shrine in Stockbridge, Massachusetts, a wonderful organization there. Um, you don't have to go, of course, but <laughs> if you're nearby, I definitely do recommend you go. It's a wonderful pil pilgrimage site. Um, I've been a few times, but you know, just check them out online, and um, you can. There's so much. There's so much beautiful stuff you can learn about Divine Mercy through that. But just learning the chaplet or practicing to pray it, a really great way to do that. I recommend is through the Relevant Radio app. Just look up Relevant Radio on wherever you get your apps. Download that app. I mean, it's got great programming and everything else that you'll have access to. But the number one way that I use that Relevant Radio app is for audio prayers. So you can pray the rosary on there. Um, and that might be a spiritual goal of yours is praying the rosary, you know, on a regular basis, if it's not a regular part of your prayer life, but also the Divine Mercy Chaplet. I use it all the time for that, where you just hit play and, you know, someone leads you through the Divine Mercy Chaplet. So I really love it for when I'm in the car. Um, it can be great to pray the rosary that way. They have the rosary on there. Um, but it's also a great way to learn the Divine Mercy Chaplet, which I think takes eight minutes, if I'm correct. Maybe it's even less. It's a super short prayer. Um, but I, you know, maybe that's a goal of yours and that might be a helpful way for you to make it a reality. Um, but something small like that, 
Don't make it something that's overwhelming the way that we do to ourselves during Lent. Um, but make it something that's that's going to be doable for you and something that you you know that you'll be able to follow through. I, I mentioned that podcast Happier, and when those sisters were sharing, you know, whether or not they had met their goals, their their 18 for 2018, I, I noticed that it was it was those smaller ones that they really had the most success with. And it's okay to put something on your list that you you're you're pretty darn sure you're going to be able to accomplish and set it as a goal because that's really encouraging when you're able to do that, when you're able to follow through. It's discouraging when you set these lofty goals and kind of kill yourself for a week and then you let it drop off and then you just beat yourself up about the fact that you've fallen short once again. But setting these smaller goals is really encouraging and it's a really helpful way to you know, look ahead to the new year and then set a reasonable goal that you know you can reasonably accomplish. And then if you do fall off the wagon, you can get right back on. It's not going to be some overwhelming task, you know? So think about what might be a spiritual goal for you along those lines. Something that's doable, something that's not going to overwhelm you. And um, I, like I said, I'm going to share with you, we can pray together that litany of trust at the end of this show. All right. The third goal I want to encourage you to think about setting for 2019 is a personal goal. Now, this one's kind of wide open. What part of your personal life, whether it's personal relationships, your marriage with your kids, with friends, with your parents, um, or whether it's a work-related goal or a community-related goal, you know, some part of your life where you feel like you feel called to set a goal. So, you know, it might be if it's, you know, in your marriage, perhaps you want, we talked about date nights on a recent episode. Maybe you want to make it a goal to have more regular date nights and then make a plan to follow through, whether it's, you know, right now, writing on the calendar once per month. Let's start there. Don't make it every week if that's overwhelming um, to have a date night with your husband. Um, and, and then, you know, of course, <laughs> share that goal with your husband. Um, maybe you have a more generalized goal like um, uh, being more patient in your relationships. Well, that's very generalized and it's going to be hard for you to know if you're meeting it. Or it's going to be hard for you to know if you're making progress toward that. So think about maybe it's great that you would have maybe that generalized goal of being more patient in your in your family relationships, but then set a, a reasonable goal, something you can actually meet that will help you to do that. It might be praying for patience every day, right? It's as simple as like a one one <laughs> sentence prayer that you might try to add to your daily prayer routine is asking for God's help in that one area of your life. And that could really bear fruit in your relationships. Or it might be, you know, praying for patience. Is, is there a certain person who really pushes your buttons? <laughs> Whether it's somebody that you, you love and you live with or a friend or someone that you have regular interaction with at work or whatever, maybe praying for that person would be your goal for the coming year. Praying for that person in adding that person to your, your daily prayers. Um, something along those lines. Or it might be, you know, spending one-on-one -on -one time with your kids, spending alone time with your kids, making more of an effort to um, engage with each of your kids every day, or um, family prayer might be part of this. Um, all these different things. But then, you know, so those are all relationship goals. Uh, maybe it's more about Maybe you're feeling called toward setting a goal with regard to your friendships. This is actually, here, I'm going to share with you one of my goals, which is 
Um, I'm going to, starting next week, I'm going to be beginning a women's group at my parish. Remember, I don't know, a couple of months ago when we talked with Allison, Allison Jingris here on the show, and she shared her book, Stay Connected, which was all about supporting women's groups and getting together on a regular basis. And I I remembered saying to Allison, I am feeling challenged, like I need to be doing this in my life. Well, I do need to be doing this in my life. So I have set as a goal, and I've already set it up with my local parish here, um, to meet once a week and have a women's group Bible study. And I made it a reasonable goal. Yes, it is a big commitment to commit to do something once a week, but I really do feel called to do it. And um, But I set it up as it's a one-hour meeting time. So I'm still working. <laughs> we're meeting for the first time next week. I'm still working out the structure of how we're going to spend that hour. Um, and I'm trying to balance it and make it reasonable with my commitment as far as how much I need to prepare for the group ahead of time, but then also making it fruitful for the people who show up. Um, but I did feel called to kind of work on relationships with women in my community and building community in my local parish in that way. There might be something along those lines that you feel called to do in your parish. Um, on the flip side of that, maybe you feel like you're doing too much in your community and your goal is going to be to cut back on some things. You know, give some real thought and prayer as you're thinking about what these goals might be. I, I want to encourage you to to really bring it to prayer and think about what which direction God's calling you toward. So it might be something about that. So a personal goal could be about relationships like that, or it might be a work-related goal. Um, it might be working on a, a work project, um, whether you work outside the home or not. Um, it might be something inside of your home if you work inside the home. It might be something about your home organization. It might be something about like weekly meal planning. I mean, it's wide open here. And this is part of what I love. I mean, it's part of what overwhelms us and why so many of us reject the idea of setting goals for a new year, because it, it's so wide open. It feels like you could do anything. But on the flip side of that, you can do anything. Pick something, pick something small and something that's doable that you can feel good when you, you're able to follow through and that you can kind of grow from there. You might have a huge, lofty, overwhelming goal of like, I want my house to be perfectly organized or whatever it is. Um, but just break that down and set one reasonable goal that you know you can meet or that you're confident you can meet, even if it might be a little bit challenging. Um, so think about what along those lines might be important to you. If you're a writer, it might be a certain writing project. If um, you you know you do certain things on um, social media and have a ministry that's related to that, so many of you do. Um, it you know it might be along those lines, setting a reasonable goal for what you might accomplish in those areas. So your personal goal, like I said, it can be this one's more open than the other ones. But I want to encourage you to think about what that might be and pray about it. Um, so. Um, I've already shared with you that one of mine is to build community in my local parish by starting a women's group. And another that I have kind of on this list is family dinner time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's so hard to sit down together at the same time. But I noticed more so than ever before, now that my big kids have been home for a few weeks, that when I make that effort to um, make everybody sit down together for a regular meal, whoever's home, you know, less than perfect most of the time, um, that we really do spend quality time together when we're sharing a meal together in that way. And I noticed over certainly the past, the, the end of last year, 
um, the last few months of last year that I was kind of getting out of that habit of making everybody sit down together for dinner. Just various routines had us in different directions and kids had gotten into bad habits of like snacking after school. And I just want to really focus on making that a regular thing, more controlling what time people are eating after school and making sure that we're sitting down together for regular family dinners. So it might be something along those lines that you would consider doing, something that's going to improve your family life. And you know what? I actually, I love that we moms, for the most part, have that kind of control over our family routines. Sometimes we approach these things like, I'm a victim, like my kids have soccer or my husband's working late or whatever it is. Um, But we do get to kind of set the tone in our homes. We get to set the routines in our homes. Um, And, you know, yes, it's not always going to be perfect. You're not always going to all be, you know, sitting down together at the same time, or you're not always going to be home for family prayers or whatever it is that your goal is. But knowing that we get to set what our standard is, I think that's a really empowering thought. And sometimes we just need to be reminded, and this is your reminder, that you're the boss of that. You get to decide what the standards are in your home. You get to decide what the basic routines are inside of your family life. For sure, there are outside restrictions and obligations and things that are um, going to restrict you in various ways. But end of the day, we get to decide what those priorities are. And we get to decide how we're going to be spending our time, how we're going to be spending our efforts as kind of managers of our homes. So those are my three categories that I want to invite you to think about and to set a goal for. It's okay that the new year has already started. Um, I, I want to encourage you to look ahead to um, the, the 12 months that we have in 2019 and think about and pray about what some of your goals might be with regard to your health, with regard to your spiritual life, and then a personal goal. And then let me know how you're doing. Let me know what your goals are. Share them with us. Share how, um, you know, the, how you decided what your goals should be. I'd love to be able to share it on a future episode because I find it so encouraging to know other people are also, you know, struggling with the same things, but also achieving uh, victories and small triumphs in the same areas of life where we're working to do those things. So let me know. You can email me at danielle at daniellebean.com. Or you can always connect with me through social media. I'm Danielle Bean on all, all the social medias you can find me. and Or send me a voicemail. You know, I love it to be able to add your voice to the show. All right, don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with more Girlfriends. Reading the Bible is something we as Catholics know we should do. But let's be honest, it can be kind of complicated. Even though it's a complete story, the Bible isn't really one book. It's more like a library with dozens of books and dozens of genres. There's poetry, prophecy, and prose. There are apocalypses and revelations, historical accounts and allegories. No wonder it's difficult to keep a finger on the story of God's love and plan of salvation for his people, the thread that keeps all of it together. If you're wishing there was a simple guide to help you tie all of this together, then you're just like Jeff Cavins and Tim Gray. That's why they wrote the book, Walking with God. Walking with God is a single book that traces the story that ties the Bible together. It helps you to understand the big picture of the Bible. If you're looking to read more of the Bible, Walking with God will help you do it with confidence, peace, and clarity. You can find out more and order Walking with God on ascensionpress.com or on Amazon. 
All right, now we're in the part of the show where I love to share your feedback, that feedback that I'm always begging for. And um, so I collected a few things. I'm going to focus on just two different uh, people that I heard from over the holiday season. And um, the first one was Sarah, who wrote in about um, listener Amy, who asked about pelvic floor issues. Okay, sorry, guys, we're going to talk about this. I know I have a few male listeners. Um, But you know, this is a really important topic. And I didn't have a lot to share with Amy, because she was asking about beginning a running program, and dealing with pelvic floor issues. And um, I don't have experience with that particular challenge. Um, But Sarah does, and she had some um, helpful information to share. So I'm just going to share what Sarah wrote in. She says, hi, Danielle, I hope you and your family are having a blessed advent. See, this is a little bit old feedback. I just finished listening to episode 152, and I hope I can help Amy with her pelvic floor issues. There are physical therapists that specialize in women's pelvic floor and diastasis recti issues. I don't know if I said that right. If Amy lives in South Central Washington State, my cousin lives there and is a physical therapist specializing in women's therapy. If not, she can ask her OBGYN for any possible recommendations in her area. I went to physical therapy two years ago to get more core strength. My therapist was not specialized in women's issues. I live in California, so I couldn't see my cousin. The therapy helped a little, but I still experienced some pelvic floor and diastasis recti issues. That's probably diastasis. Anyway, I'll get it right by the end of this reading this email. I dug deeper and could not find a specialist in our area. A Pilates instructor I highly respect recommended an online program, the MUTU system. This is M-U-T-U. And she shares a link, which I'll put in the show notes. I started the program a few months ago, and I can't fully explain how much it has helped me. The program has given me back my body, and I feel stronger than ever before. It's a little pricey, but if you consider the cost of physical therapy, you end up ahead. To me, the program is worth every single penny. Also, if you do buy the program, it's worth a little bit more to buy the kit too. Okay, so you can check all that out, what she's referring to. I wish every mom that has had a baby automatically got this women's exercise program. I hope this helps Amy and many other moms out there. I know it's an awkward subject to talk about, but super important. Merry Christmas. Blessings, Sarah. So thank you, Sarah, for writing in and um, sharing that feedback. It is a little bit of an awkward topic, but that's why we're here at Girlfriends, to talk about these things that matter, that affect our lives. So if you have pelvic floor issues and that's preventing you from exercising in the way that you want to be, it's preventing you from daily activities or the level of activity that you want to be at, this is a great opportunity. I have not personally experienced the MUTU system, but I know people who have. And I Sarah's not the only person who has highly recommended this program. So check it out. And if you know of some other way to deal with pelvic floor issues, if there's something else that has helped you, please write in and share. And just like Sarah did, I appreciate that. I really appreciate that about listeners here at the podcast, that you're also generous with your um, information and your experience. And we have so much to learn from one another. And um, like this, this topic, there are things like this that we all deal with or that many of us are dealing with. And um, we have so much to learn from one another and other people's experiences. So I hope that does help you, Amy, or anybody else who's dealing with pelvic floor issues. And um, so that might be very helpful, a very helpful way for you to set a goal. It might be getting control of your pelvic floor issues is going to be part of your um, goal for 2019. So check that out. Like I said, I'll have um, the program Mutu System linked up in the show notes, which you can always access at ascensionpress.com. 
All right. Next up, I heard from another listener who um, doesn't want her personal information shared, and I'm not going to share all the details in what she sent to me, but she's really struggling in her marriage. And um, this is more of a beg for recommendations than really um, any kind of feedback. Um, But I wanted to share it because I know from email that I get and feedback that I get from you guys all the time that struggle in marriage is a universal thing. It is. And we all go through seasons where it it can be more of a challenge to be working on our marriages than it is. And we all have those blissful seasons when all is well. But it is an area of our life that is vitally important, vitally important to our happiness and our holiness and our general level of satisfaction and joy in our lives. And yet I find that Um, We don't talk about it enough. We don't talk about the challenges and the struggles enough. Of course, everyone's marriage is different and, you know, the details differ and the particulars might vary, but it is an area of struggle because guess what? Your marriage is a vocation. It's the way in which God is calling you to holiness. It's the place where he is going to be working on you to make you more holy, to draw you closer to him. And that's a painful process. It hurts. It's a struggle. So recognizing that it's a challenge, first of all, I think is really important. But this particular listener was struggling, is struggling in her marriage. So I want to invite you to um, keep her in prayer in all marriages, all people in marriages who are struggling, to keep her in prayer in the coming weeks. But she was really looking for a marriage ministry program um, that where she could learn and, and to have an opportunity to talk with others about marriage and possibly about struggles inside of marriage. But um, what this particular listener was talking about was she's looking for something that is going to be just short of getting counseling, right, uh, for herself and her husband. And um, listener, if you are listening, and I'm going to email her back personally, um, and others who might be in that situation of, I just want to avoid going to therapy or counseling of any kind. Um, I want to encourage you to not shut that door don't feel like that isn't an option for you, whether it's um, a financial burden or it's just a personal block. I know some people feel that there's a stigma attached to that, um, that I, I want people to know that sometimes that is the very best thing for your marriage. Um, I'm not talking about this particular listener's marriage uh, who wrote in, but just know that, that that truly is an option for you and it truly can be a helpful, life-saving, marriage-saving resource for you to, if you have access to couples therapy or even personal therapy or counseling of any kind, sometimes that is what your relationship needs. So I don't want, don't want you to kind of cross that off as that's not possible for me because, you know, fill in the blank because I can't leave the kids or because my husband won't go or because I can't afford it or because I'm too embarrassed to talk to somebody else about these things, whatever it is. Um, I know so many marriages that have been so blessed, marriages that have been saved because the couples in them were willing to get and ask for the help that they needed. So don't close that door. And, um, you know, as far as the stigma attached to it, honestly, like I said, every marriage has its own challenges. Every person struggles inside of their marriage. You just don't see that. You don't always see that and people aren't always sharing that honestly and and openly with you. You're seeing their shiny, happy outsides that they're willing to show you and you're not really seeing that struggle and you see it in your own marriage. So I know that can be very discouraging, but I truly admire people who seek that help. What it says to me is here is a person 
who truly values their marriage. They value it enough to make this extra effort to get the help that they need, to seek out the support that they need, and to do the work that's required inside of their marriage to grow closer as a couple, but more importantly, to together grow closer to God and more align themselves in their relationship with what God's will is. So if you are a married person, God's will is to call you to holiness to draw you closer to him through your marriage and in all the messiness that that implies. So um, anyway, um, if someone has a particular marriage ministry, I know that's kind of an open-ended um, kind of question that this listener is asking, a marriage ministry that isn't necessarily like couples working on their marriages, um, like I know some of those exist, um, that's more about talking about marriage, learning about marriage, um, whether it's individually or as couples. If you have one that you really recommend, please let me know so that I can share it with this listener, share it on a future episode for other listeners of the podcast. Um, write me at danielle at daniellebean.com. I'll be happy to share that information. So if you have feedback, you can also email me, danielle at daniellebean.com, whether it's about what your goals are for 2019, or if you have a question that you would like for me to open up to the audience here at Girlfriends and kind of crowdsource and get information for you, I would love to be able to share that. So you can connect with me on Voxer. The link to connect on Voxer is always in the show notes for every episode of the Girlfriends podcast, which are available at ascensionpress.com. You can leave me a voicemail through Voxer. You can just record a voicemail and send it to me, danielle at daniellebean.com. Or reach out to me through social media, all these different ways that we can connect. And speaking of connecting, I want to, before we have to end here, give a shout out to our Facebook page, which is growing. It was a little quiet over the holidays, but I'm planning to get some conversations started there in the coming weeks. So please join us at facebook.com slash groups slash girlfriend podcast. The link to that also will be in the show notes at Ascension Press. Dot com. It's our private Facebook group that's um, a, I'm hoping will continue to grow in the coming weeks and become a real source of support and community for people who listen to the Girlfriends podcast. So if you're not already linked up with us there, get over there and join our Facebook group. We'd love to have you become a part of the online Girlfriends community. And that's all the time we have for this week, but I want to thank you for spending this time with me. It truly is not something that I take for granted. I truly value the fact that you're there, you're listening, all the different ways that you encourage me, but more than anything, I value the fact that you're present here. It truly is a valuable part of this community of girlfriends that we're building here. Thanks so much for being here. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between DanielleBean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation.